All right. Thanks, Cooper. So fun this morning. I am really excited about some of your ugly sweaters. Some of you did a really good job, and uh, that's good. Some of you we have next year, and that'll be good. Now, how many of you were excited, just a little bit excited, to see me in a Seahawks sweatshirt or sweater this morning? I know some of you were thinking, because I said I, I would, you know, if I was going to wear the ugliest sweater of all time, it would be a Seahawks sweater. So I know some of you were hoping for that. Well, I have some sad news. I went looking for a Seahawks sweater everywhere. They don't exist. They're sold out. They are. Sweatshirts exist. Sweaters, not so much. Now, I found one at JCPenney, but they didn't have it in my, in my size. And I have to tell you, honestly, while I was shopping, I was like looking for that, but kind of conflicted at the same time. Have you ever had that happen? Like you know something, but then you're conflicted because the conflict in my head was like, I wouldn't pay a dime for this. Why would I do this? Why would I subject myself to such misery and horror? So I found this one. Isn't it cute? Somebody mentioned out in the comments, and I think this is very true. Now you can all look me in the eye. Right? So I guess I've been suggested to wear this for a long time now. Or to wear eyes on all my shirts like this at about this height, right? Oh, that's good. Well, grab your Bible this morning and open it to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to get started there. That'll be our first verse, and then we'll look at many. Um, we've been studying the importance of the name of Jesus. Mary and Joseph, you'll remember, had a baby boy. And the angel told them to name their baby boy Jesus because he would take away the sins of his people. So we've been focusing on three aspects of this incredible, powerful name of Jesus. First, that there is salvation in the name of Jesus. Second, there's power in the name of Jesus. And third, today, we're going to look at the fact that there is hope in the name of Jesus. See, what you'll discover in practice and in your life, in your personal life with Christ and in God's word is that hope is linked to Jesus' name. Just when you say the name of Jesus, for those of us that know him, there's a hope that rises up in our heart, in our mind, in our, in our thought process, in how we feel about Jesus. There's a resident hope that just lives there that's linked to the name of Jesus. There's also a direct connection between hope and Jesus because hope is the fulfillment of a Savior. And Jesus is the Savior of the world. And when we trust in him, our present and our future is secure because he's Messiah. He's Lord. He is our Savior. There is hope in the name of Jesus. So this morning, I'd like us to take time to talk about hope. In the name of Jesus, let's pray and jump in. Lord, thanks for today. Thanks for what you're doing in our lives. And would you help us to understand that today, right now, Christmas 2019, all of the hope that we need can be ours in a relationship with Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Let's go a little bit deeper this morning and start with a definition of hope. What is hope? Let's look at that first. 
Hope is such a powerful word. It's used all over the place in the Bible, in the Old Testament and in the New. In the Old Testament, there's several words for hope, but the primary word, and it would be kind of like the root word, is kiva. And kiva means hope. There's other words as well, but they all kind of work together and come from this root word kiva. But they all mean pretty much the same thing, and that is to wait. So hope in the Old Testament means to wait. Now, what's interesting is specifically it means to wait on God. This is very important. This will be kind of a theme of the message that hope, true hope, real hope, lasting hope is hope in God. Now, have you noticed in our culture how we throw this word around very loosely? We do all the time. Like, I'll bet you somebody this morning in the comments said, I hope the Seahawks win today, right? Or I hope I get a day off in the next week or two. Or I hope that there's this under the tree for me. That's good, but that's hope used very loosely, used very meagerly. That's not biblical hope. Biblical hope is to wait on a personal God who loves us and left heaven to come and save us, to trust in him, to live for him, to put your hope in his faithfulness and his goodness and his love and the relationship that you have with him. This is kiva, to wait. But then in the Greek, the word changes a bit, and it's the word elpis. And the word elpis in Greek has a, a little bit of a change of a definition that actually is fabulous. It means a confident expectation of a future event. Now, this is good. This is where the word and the definition of the word and the study of God's word and the study of words in God's word gets really, really cool. Because as the word hope changes slightly to mean confident expectation, that's exactly what you and I have with Jesus. We're no longer just waiting for God to do something. God has done something. He was born and went to the cross. And now when you and I have this confident expectation that's living in us all the time because we know Christ as Savior and Lord. Our confidence is because our hope is in Jesus. And our hope is justified because the blessings of being in relationship with God and the inheritance that you and I have in Christ through his death and resurrection are tried and true. See, the post-cross Christian, you and I today, have this confidence because the work of salvation has been done in us. We are now simply waiting with expectation for something we confidently know is ours in the future, but we are living in, in the present. That is LPs, hope in the New Testament that is available to us because the Savior has been born. He grew up to be a man. He died on the cross and he rose again. This is a lot like having $5 million in a retirement account. How many of you would like to have $5 million in a retirement account right now? Most of us are nodding our heads, raising our hands, saying, yes, Pastor Mark, that would be awesome. I would love 
$5 million in my retirement account. Now here's what's interesting. If I had $5 million in my retirement account, guess what? I'd live different. Now I wouldn't be able to spend that money yet, but today I would live different because of what I know I have in my future. So if today was a really bad day, I would say, meh, bad day, big deal. I got five million in the bank. If today was a bad month, like maybe I really struggled to pay the bills. And so financially it was a pull, it was a struggle. Maybe I had to sell something in the garage to pay that electric bill, whatever. I'd say, that's okay. I got five million coming to me. See, I'd live differently, wouldn't I? I'd live with a different mindset. I'd live with a different feeling in my heart because of what I know I have in the future. Guess what? That's your life in Christ. That's how we should live today. When we have a really, really bad day, we can say, that's all right. That's okay. Heaven's waiting for me. Jesus is waiting for me in heaven right now. If I have a really bad season and I'm stuck in some anxiety and depression, I can also praise God in the midst of it because I know that all of my hope is in Christ. And even though my life is challenging right now, my hope is in him and my future is bright. In fact, can I tell you, your retirement account in Christ is way more than $5 million. People often ask me as a pastor, does it bother you that maybe you don't make as much as you normally could? I say, no, my retirement is out of this world. It's crazy, crazy retirement, let me tell you. The future event that you and I, like the Greek talks about, are confidently hoping for is this restoration of all things. That one day, Christ will come back. Kate talked about it last week, that he will come back in power. He'll come back in the clouds. And at that point, everyone will know who he is, what he believes, what the truth is. And in that moment, all of our hopes, all of our dreams, all of our thoughts, all of the truth of God's word will be revealed in an instant. And you and I will know the hope that we live in today. Now, we also have this hope because Jesus is the Savior, that his name means to save. His name is salvation. His name is power. We have this hope because Jesus is the Messiah, the Lord. Now, before Jesus was born, there was this kind of like this powerful hope resident in the people of God in Israel. Uh, everything else wasn't going well because the Romans had come in and conquered their land and taken over and charging them great taxes and not allowing them to live the way they wanted to. But inside of them was this resident hope that was just kind of always there. And it was there because they were the people of God and because they believed in the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, over and over and over again, over 300 times, they would read specific prophecies about the one called Messiah, the anointed one, the one that would come and save his people from their sins, the one that would come and save them. And the prophets and the psalmists had been speaking about this person who would be God's anointed one and would save them. And while their idea of what salvation looked like was a little bit misguided because most of them thought that meant that they would be saved from earthly oppression, 
Jesus would come and save us from a far deeper and a far more powerful oppression, spiritual oppression. Spiritual oppression lasts for eternity. Earthly oppression is temporary. It's mortal. The hope we're talking about is immortal. See, Jesus is the Messiah, the anointed one. And an anointed one is someone that God has chosen for a specific task or a specific job. Kings were anointed for their job in the Old Testament. Prophets were anointed for their task in the Old Testament. And the verses that we see in the Old Testament that all refer to Jesus talk about Jesus as the anointed one and his specific task is to save the world from their sins. And you and I sit here today in this room saved and set free from our sin because of this hope. Now, the Jewish people, they, this resident hope was there. And all of this hope, as we read in Scripture, all of this hope led to Christmas. It's what we believe and what we celebrate at Christmas. It's what the angel brought to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, when the angel said, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins because he's the Messiah. It's the same hope that the angels and the shepherds experienced in Luke chapter 2 when the angel said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. It's the same hope that Simeon, that Simeon got to have in his life as he went and met Joseph and Mary in the temple. And in verse 21 in Luke chapter 2, it says that Mary and Joseph named their boy Jesus in that moment. But then a couple verses later, Simeon comes along in verse 25. And he was a man in Jerusalem who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, the salvation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And here he is, moved by the Spirit. He went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. We have all these moments in Scripture where hope is rising because the Savior has been born. And we have hope today because we know Jesus is our Savior. This long-awaited hope for Messiah is living in us. And when we have relationship with Jesus, we have hope because he is the Savior of the world. But I have a question. If Jesus is hope, and he is, and everything that we need is wrapped up and found in a relationship with him, why do we sometimes feel hopeless? Because we've all been there. We've all been there where we've had just hopeless moments, seasons in our life. 
we all know what hopelessness feels like, what it looks like, what it sounds like. It feels like not wanting to get out of bed, right? We think and have thoughts like this. This, this is never going to turn out right. There's no way this is going to work out. We might say, this, this relationship, I, I just don't know. We might even say words like divorce in the middle of our hopelessness. Hopelessness can sound like another creditor on the other end of your phone asking when you're going to pay your bill or going to the ATM only to see those words on the screen, insufficient funds. It can feel like anxiety and depression. That's what hopelessness is. But sometimes we can confuse hope with optimism or with an outcome. See, biblical hope is not focused on circumstances turning out well. That's not biblical hope. That's optimism. See, optimism is the ability to look forward in your life and, and say, boy, I, I want that to turn out well for me. To look at your kids and say, I want my kids to have this and this and this in their life and, and, and I want that to be a part of their life. That's optimism to, to look forward and to hope that things turn out well. That's, we, that's optimism, right? But that's not hope. That's not biblical hope. There's a difference between biblical hope and optimism. Now, before we go on, is optimism okay to have? Absolutely. In fact, should there be anybody on the planet more optimistic than us as believers? No. We should have more optimism than anyone. We should also have more hope than anyone. Now, why? Why should we have more hope? Because circumstances have turned out well. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, here's the point. Everything has turned out well. You say, Pastor Mark, life stinks right now. That doesn't matter. You are saved and set free from your sin. And if you die today, you are in heaven with Christ and your eternity has been set for you. Everything has already turned out well. That's what hope is. That's what hope says. Optimism is just a positive thinking for the future that we should also have in Christ and that in Christ, everything in our future is okay, not because it turns out the way we want it to, but because he's inside us and living with us and right there in our life. That's why. See, hope is far deeper than optimism. It's much deeper than positive thinking because our hope is in God. And God's word tells us that he is living inside us in the person of the Holy Spirit, that God is right here. He's inside you. He's with us. He's walking with us. There's times where he carries us. This is who God is. Because these things are true for a believer in the name of Jesus, then today, tomorrow, 10 years from now, we have hope regardless of our circumstances because our hope is in God, not a positive thought. Hope is also far deeper than an outcome we desire. If hope was just an outcome that we desired, what would happen when our desired outcome wouldn't come to pass? We'd blame God, wouldn't we? In fact, isn't that what the enemy always does? When we say, I hope for this, and it doesn't happen, 
What does the enemy always say to us? See, God doesn't love you. God isn't real. Now, part of that problem is that we put all of our hope in God on a desired outcome that we want. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know if you've discovered this about yourself or not yet, but I've learned about me. I have desired outcomes that don't come to pass. And I have desired outcomes that aren't going to come true. For instance, I have a desired outcome that the 49ers would beat the Seahawks next week. It's probably not coming true. They're still in the playoffs, so I'm okay. I can live through it. But I've lived with years and years of destruction and anxiety and depression, hopelessness over the red. <laughs> big red hasn't been so big lately. But they're big now, so I think, oh, that gives me right to put my hope in that. No, it doesn't. See, it doesn't give me good, a good desired outcome to desire something that's really good and going well or to desire something that's not going well. For instance, we put a lot of hope in our nation because our nation is the wealthiest one in the world. It's not a good place to put our hope. And we would not put our hope in a nation if we lived like in the middle of Calcutta, India. We wouldn't put our hope in our nation because... We were poor and destitute. Another bad reason to put hope in something. We should only put our hope in the Lord. We can't hope for predetermined outcomes because we will be easily misguided. Psalm 42, 5, the, the psalmist said something very interesting in this verse. He says, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. See, the psalmist says what we often experience. We have to talk to our own soul. Soul, why are you depressed today? Stop that. Stop being depressed. Put your hope in God. Why don't you spend today praising the Lord instead of thinking about your hopelessness and watch your thoughts and your mind and your heart and your actions change as you put your hope in God. Now, I can tell you this verse is true because I had some really hopeless days this past year over a certain circumstance. And as I put my hope and my praise and my worship towards the Lord, my hopelessness faded and my hope in God rose. In Proverbs 11:7, Solomon said, Hopes placed in mortals die with them. All the promise of their power comes to nothing. See, hope is immortal. This life is temporary. We're encouraged to put our hope in God, who is eternal. In 1 Timothy 6:17, Paul said to Timothy, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides with everything for our enjoyment. See, we're told to put our hope in God because hope is disappointing when it is misdirected. When our hope is misdirected towards optimism or an outcome, we will be disappointed. 
in the novel Cat's Cradle by Kurt Mognut, the main character in the story discovers an important book. And the book is titled, What Can a Thoughtful Man Hope for Mankind on Earth Given the Experience of the Past Million Years? This character is looking forward to opening this book and seeing all of the hopeful things that had happened as mankind has been on the earth he opens the book, and it doesn't take long for him to discover that the book is only full of one word, the word nothing. See, if we're looking to ourselves, mankind, for all of our hope, we might be in trouble, right? We have to look to God. If history's taught us anything, it's taught us that if we put our hope in ourselves, we will be disappointed. We must put our hope in God. Now, God's desire is that you and I would live a life full of hope. In fact, overflowing with hope. God doesn't want us to live in hopelessness and anxiety and depression. In Romans 15, 13, he said, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is why Jesus left heaven, came to earth. This is why we have Christmas. So that this kind of hope could overflow in our lives and touch the world around us. The last thing we understand about hope, and it's the most important part, is that we must put our hope in the Lord. As Christians, we put our hope in a who, not a what. We put our hope in the Lord. Our hope is focused on the personhood of God himself, on the relationship that we have with him. Our hope is in him. Our future is in him. Our present is in him. This is displayed in verses like Isaiah 40, 31 that we all love that says, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. The hope is in the Lord. Psalm 25, 5 says, Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are my God and my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. The focus is God, hoping in him. In 1 Peter 1, 3, Peter said, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This hope is living in you as a believer in Christ. And Christmas is a celebration of mankind's hope. It's a celebration that Jesus came to the earth and you and I have hope available to us. It's right there at our fingertips. It's in our grasp. It's possible for us to live a life overflowing with hope if our hope is in Jesus. As we live for him, we get to experience every day what the people at Christmas time experienced, what Joseph and Mary experienced, what the shepherds and Simeon and the wise men who traveled from far away 
because they had this hope resident in them that a star revealed to them that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Savior, the Messiah, had been born, and they had to see him. What we all want is this hope. What we all want is this unconditional love, a friend that is closer than any other, someone to rescue us without condemning us. And that's exactly what we get at Christmas. We get Jesus, the Savior of the world. See, Jesus is the fulfillment of our greatest hope. What are you hoping for this Christmas? What's your greatest hope this morning? Is it something that has the potential to disappoint you? Or are you putting your hope in a Savior that was born on this day? It's fun for us to put gifts under a tree and to have a, a little bit of expectation about what Christmas morning might be like. But if all of your hope is under a tree, you'll be disappointed on New Year's Eve as you start a new year without hope. My desire for all of us in this room is that all of our hope would be in Christ, would be wrapped up in our relationship with him, a savior that is our best friend and is preparing a future that is beyond our wildest imagination. This is the hope that we have in the name of Jesus. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you that you give us salvation. That your name is power and your name brings hope. Thank you, Jesus, that that's who you are. Lord, I recognize some of us in this room, you may be sitting here this morning and you don't have that hope living in you right now. The only reason it's not there is because you haven't said yes to Jesus yet. I want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. The Bible says it's very simple. You just confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. You will have that hope. This morning, if you'd like to say yes to Jesus for the very first time, you've never done it before. You've never said yes to Jesus before. And right now, where you're sitting, you, you're saying, Pastor Mark, I, I want to start a relationship with Jesus. I want that kind of hope that you're talking about that I can only receive from him. That's how you feel this morning. That's the decision you want to make. Would you raise your hand? For some of us as well. Maybe life is, just seems hopeless right now. There's things in your life that are not full of hope. Life is full of anxiety and maybe you've been kind of depressed and just struggling. But this morning you'd, you'd like to say, Lord, I just want to, I want to tell you, I want to put my hope in you. I want to praise you and worship you all throughout the day and I want my hope to come from you so that 
I'm not living in this hopelessness. If that's where you're at and you just say, that's where I want to be. I want to live in the hope of Jesus, not the hopelessness of my situation. Would you raise your hand? Let me pray for you. Lord, you came to bring hope, and you are hope. So I pray for these that have raised their hands and are struggling right now with hopelessness in it, and probably in a situation or in life. I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would just come in like a flood. That, Holy Spirit, you would bring strength and power healing, there would be a new, a new sense of hope as a result of saying, Jesus, would you help me with this? We're crying out to you right now, and would you bring hope into my life, into this moment, into this situation as I praise you and worship you and give you my life? Lord, would you bring hope, and would it last not just a couple days, not just a little while, not a month? but a lifetime and an eternity. We pray this in Jesus' strong name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for coming this morning. It was great to see you in church. I want to remind you of just a couple things. Remember that next week we are meeting in our community context. So be the church and be Jesus and do something for him. That'll be great. I'm excited to hear the stories of what you're going to be doing uh, with your Sunday morning. It's going to be awesome. And then don't forget to grab a food from the heart box out there at the table to your left in the commons and deliver it to someone and get to be a blessing in the name of Jesus. Always remember, Jesus loves you very much. So do Kate and I. Have a great week. Merry Christmas.